Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Did you bring a Bible this morning? You know that this morning is a special day. It's Pentecost Sunday. Why is it so significant to us? Because it was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. But uh, let me just give you a couple things about Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost really just means 50th. Don't get freaked out about the name. It's not a religious name. It's a penta is five, coste is, you know, times 10. And Pentecost was really the second of the third of the great Jewish feasts that were celebrated in Jerusalem. Every year they'd come and celebrate three feasts, and the second of the third was called Pentecost, okay? It was the time that they would come together. But why is it so important to us? You might say, well, we're not from Jerusalem and we're not Jewish. What's the deal with that? Before Jesus left, he told them that uh, they needed to wait for something very special, and this was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that happened on Pentecost Sunday. So really, that Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate, we're excited about it, And I want to go through and read a little bit of history. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus said before he departed, he said, And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. I want you to notice a couple of things is he told them, do not depart. He commanded them. It wasn't a suggestion. He said, this is so important that I'm going to command you don't leave Jerusalem. They're all in Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. I know you need to get home and stuff, but there's something that's so important to wait for. This would, uh, this would be a day worth waiting for, he's saying is coming up. He says, uh, wait for the promise of the Father. I want you to notice that don't wait for something that you might get or you might not. No, this is the promise of the Father. There's a guarantee, something that's coming to you if you'll just wait. He says, which he said you've heard from me, for John truly baptized. Here's what you're waiting for. John baptized with water, which is a baptism of repentance, but you'll be baptized, notice, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They were already followers of Jesus. They were already believers. But he said, you need something more. You need a baptism with the Holy Spirit or a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? If there was no other reason, it's power. Can we say the word power? Power. Yeah. It would be like if you're going to get a power tool, but the battery's not working or you don't get the battery with it and you say but I have the tool but I don't have the battery that's with it well then the tool's ineffective I mean you could sit there and try to use the screw gun and and, you know put it in and try to screw it like this but it's going to take you forever but when you put when you put the battery hook it up to it and you press and that thing just puts right in he's saying you need to make sure to get the battery you need to make sure to get the power in your life and that's what you'll receive when the holy spirit has come upon you i want you to notice that's the very first thing he said sometimes people get hung up on being filled with the spirit or uh, being baptized in the holy spirit because they're afraid of what am i going to get you're going to get power you're going to be more powerful Amen? amen and so He says, don't depart, wait for the Spirit, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then in Acts 2, 1 was the day of Pentecost. It's the day we actually do honor and celebrate. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Notice they all showed up to church. 
And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. What came down from heaven? A sound. As of a rushing mighty wind. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So it would be like looking across the congregation, and you don't see the the tongues of fire on your head, but you see it on the heads of others. So you actually see that others were baptized or something happened to them, power came down, fire came down on them. And it was sitting on them, and there appeared divided tongues. And they were all, notice verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this was the early church. This was the very first church. This is how God actually started the church. Notice the very first church uh, was Spirit-filled. Somebody... Believe that this morning? The very first church was spirit-filled. So if you're against a spirit-filled church, we were against the very first one. He said, wait until power comes on you. And when power comes on you, when when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power and things are going to begin to happen in your life. So the very first church was filled with the Holy Spirit and the very first church was uh, filled with power. The very first church was a spirit-filled church. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 14, people all around begin to trip out on the church. They're looking at the church and saying, what's going on with these guys? They look crazy. They look drunk. They look wacky. What's happening to them? So Peter stood up, and he's like, let me give you an explanation. Have you ever had to give an explanation for Christians before? Have you ever had to apologize for your friend who's weird, you know, before? Like, you're like, oh, sorry about them. They're, uh, they're a little bit off. I mean, they, they love God. They have a good heart but they're a little bit, you know. He's standing up and he's letting them know, hey, you guys, don't worry about it. Uh, The church isn't drinking, okay? Church isn't doing drugs. The church isn't happy for other reason. The church, let let me tell you about it. And here's what Peter said. He stood up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known and heed these words, verse 15. He says, these are not drunk as you suppose. Why would they suppose it? Because drunk people are happy, (laughs) Anybody ever been drunk? Maybe you shouldn't raise your hand in there. Yeah? (laughs) Anybody liked it when you got drunk? Yeah, yeah, felt good, huh? Why? No inhibitions. You were relaxed. I mean, I know the church people don't want to admit that they've been drunk before, some people, you know, or that it felt good when they were drunk. I mean, you were a sinner. You could admit it felt good when you were drunk. Yeah, it felt maybe not the next morning, but it felt good when you were drunk. You were relaxed. You were, what, what is he saying? He's saying, these aren't drunk like you suppose. I know you're saying, these guys look drunk. What's going on? He says, as you suppose. He says, since it's only 9 o'clock in the morning, that's the third hour of the day. It's only 9 in the morning. They're not drunk yet. No, I'm kidding. He says, they're not drunk. He says, but this is what was spoken. Notice this. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's saying, what's happening on the day of Pentecost was actually prophesied in Joel, and here's what Joel said. It'll come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Who is that? What spirit is that? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them. He was being poured out on them. He's saying what you see is not they're not drunk. It's that Joel prophesied the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon them. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Listen to this, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It's not just men. It's not just women, it's both. Young men will uh, see visions. Old men will dream dreams. It's not just young. It's not just old. It's not men. It's not women. It's on all flesh I'll pour out my spirit. Verse 18. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So what happened in the early church? He poured out his spirit. 
the, the church was filled with the Spirit. He says, and they shall prophesy. Then in the book, uh, he goes on and continues. We won't read all the verses in between, but he goes on and continues to give further explanation. And he says a few verses later in verse 38, look at this, Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, repent. Can everybody say repent? What is repent? It means turn from your old life, turn to the Lord, repent, and let every one of you be baptized. What is that? It's water baptism. It's saying, uh, you know, when you, when, when you get immersed underneath water, your old man's gone. It's a representation of that, and your new man has come. Baptism, the baptism in water doesn't save you. You're saved by grace, by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus. You're born of his spirit. That's how you're saved. But a baptism is an outward sign or an outward uh, act that goes along with that. But notice this. There's a third. He said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you. He's saying you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's showing them that the, the Christians, the spirit-filled first church, something's happening to them, looking at the crowd, the people around, and saying, look, if you repent, if you're baptized, the Holy Spirit will also come upon you. And then he says this, for the promise, verse 39, is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. What is he saying? He's saying the things that you see that's happening to them, this immersion in the Holy Spirit, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promises to you, it's for everybody in the body of Christ. Men, women, young, old, here on this day in the book of Acts, which was, which was the day of Pentecost. But then thousands of years later, the promise of the Holy Spirit isn't limited for way back then. He's saying to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. What does that mean? Well, it means if you're saved, you have to be saved. You have to be baptized into in Christ Jesus. Uh, if you're saved, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you. Can I tell you, we're not waiting on Pentecost anymore. We're not waiting on Pentecost Sunday. You know, Pentecost Sunday is done. It's gone. It's already passed. We're living now in the days of Pentecost. We're living in the days of the Holy Spirit, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've said it a few times, but, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus right now? Well, he ascended. Where is he? At the right hand of the Father. Where is the Father? At the left hand of Jesus, right? They're, they're, they're right they're in heaven, right? Where is the Holy Spirit? Here with us. So if we're functioning with a member of the Godhead, so to speak, who's been sent to us to walk with us, talk with us, live in us, be with us, help us in life, empower us, it's the Holy Spirit. So sometimes I know people say, why do you talk about the Holy Spirit so much? Well, you don't ever say, why do you talk about Jesus so much? Why do you talk about God the Father so much? Well, the Holy Spirit is a very present help in our lives. He's a comforter. He's a helper. So if they already received the Holy Spirit, then why do we need to keep talking about it? Well, in the book of Acts chapter 19, some 20 years later, not just the day of Pentecost, but some 20 years later in the early church still, Paul is walking along Acts 19, and it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples. Well, who were they disciples? They were disciples of the Lord. They were believers. They were Christians. He found some disciples, and he said to them, Hey, guys, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What was he saying? They're believers, but did they receive the Holy Spirit? See, if, 
if it was the same thing that they received the Holy Spirit in order to believe, he wouldn't have asked that question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's why we're teaching on the Holy Spirit, because that's still true today. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody told me at their church they taught Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. Well, there is Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. But it, you could say Father, Son, Holy Scripture, and Holy Spirit. It's the, whole, the Holy Spirit is a very present help active in our lives. Active in our lives. And, and if you don't think he is, he, he needs to be. So they were believers, but they had not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit yet. And then it says in a couple of verses down, what happened? It says that Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Came upon who? Believers. Christians. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. This is some 20 years later. So sometimes people think, uh, well, it was just for the book of Acts. And I say, which chapter? So as soon as Acts closed, what, at what point is the Holy Spirit not available anymore? Well, that's just a sum. There's nowhere in scripture that it says it's just a sum. The Holy Spirit is to all. This promise of the Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. So what is a Spirit-filled church? Well, I wrote it there. A Spirit-filled church, we believe that the fullness of the Holy Spirit prophesied in Joel and poured out in the first church is still available today for every believer. It doesn't make you better than other people, but it does make you better than you. It makes you better than yourself. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So uh, we talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift, listen, is the Holy Spirit. It's not just the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings and he goes, hey, I got my bag of tricks. Here you go. Which gift do you want? No, because we can jump right into spiritual gifts. No, the gift is the Holy Spirit. It would be like, you know, 20 years ago I got married and I have the gift of marriage. But I don't just have the gift of marriage. I have the gift of Tiffany. I get her, not marriage. And I think sometimes we want to say, I'm filled with the Spirit. Look at all these gifts I can do. No, I'm filled with the Spirit. I get Him. I get to have a relationship with Him in my life. That's the biggest thing. He's the one who's our gift. And I think when we get so jazzed about Him and excited about Him, flowing in His gifts, we get to know Him, and He teaches us how to use gifts. And so, so don't just enjoy the gifts. Enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of Him. Last time we talked, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the personal blessing of being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I gave you seven points. Number one was you'll receive power. Number two was you'll receive boldness. Number three, that there'll be spiritual language that you can operate in, which is a prayer language. Number four is uh, wisdom. Next is perfect intercession. He helps you to pray. Next is spiritual warfare. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're wrestling spiritually, and when you get the Holy Spirit in your life, um, he's a better arm wrestler than you are in the spirit, so to speak. And then building yourself up. When you're down, when you're not empowered on the inside, you can build yourself up. You have the ability to build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to go over a few things very quickly about spiritual gifts. Not the gift of the Holy Spirit, but the spiritual gifts. Blending together the gifts of the Spirit. Every one of us have gifts flowing in our lives. And earlier it said that one of the things is he'd pour out a spirit and they shall prophesy. But if there's no coordination, if there's no operation or, or somehow of coming together of the gifts and the working together of the gifts, uh, it could be chaos. And that's sometimes what we've seen in the church is spiritual chaos and it kind of gives the Holy Spirit a bad rap. It's not his fault. Sometimes it's our fault or sometimes it's leadership's fault. 
And I think everyone's trying. The Corinthian church was trying. And that's why Paul was talking to a spirit-filled church, helping them out. My, uh, I, I have a graduate degree in, um, I graduated from Azusa Pacific University with my master's degree in conducting, uh, orchestra conducting and choir conducting and such. And so I really enjoyed it. So I don't know why, but I really, I really enjoyed instruments all coming together, seeing the strings and the brass and the woodwinds and the percussion and all the instruments coming and they all bring their part. They all have a different distinct sound. Some have high registers, some have low registers, some are very broad, some are deep, some have more sound, some have a lighter sound. But somehow, with the orchestration and the parts, they could sit and play in their room and you could get annoyed, like, I'm so tired of hearing the oboe right now. Shut the oboe up. But when that oboe comes into church or comes into a symphony orchestra and it begins to play this beautiful part you listen and you go oh it melts your heart why because they're working together they're flowing together can i tell you if we can get spiritual gifts flowing together and working together in the body of christ it's one of the most beautiful sounds that there is we're talking about spiritual gifts not just having them but coordinating them not just having them but causing them to work together and function together so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, I want you to look at your notes there. It says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, that word is actually pneumatikos. It's really the word, it doesn't even use the word gifts, it just means spirituals. It's the word. He's really just saying, hey church, concerning spirituals, okay, concerning spirituals, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. How many would say that still applies to the church today? The church shouldn't be ignorant concerning spiritual things and the gifts of the spirit and the flow of the holy spirit verse number two it says you know that you were gentiles and you were carried away by these dumb idols however you were led see these folks that he's talking to in the corinthian church they were folks that previously worshiped idols as they would worship idols they would speak out in the church they would come into church and they would start speaking things out because they like to have a voice in the church in church history tells us that some of them would come into church gatherings and when the Holy Spirit would begin to manifest or move in the church, some would even yield to a wrong spirit and say some things. In fact, some would even say that Jesus was accursed. And so Paul was addressing this here in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. I just want to say, I don't care if you speak out in church or not, it ain't God. It's a different spirit if you're calling Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, it says, there are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. Can you say diversities? See, we believe we're a church of diversity. But do you know that there's diversities of gifts, not just diversities of tribes and tongues and cultures and color? There's diversity of gifts. This word gifts is actually the word where we get the word charisma from. Charisma. The word charis just means C-H-A-R-I-S. It means grace. And ma, M-A, it means a gift. So he's saying uh, there are diversities of charisma. Charisma means literally grace gift. It's a grace gift. I know that some are afraid of the word charismatic. The word charismatic shouldn't be something that we're afraid of. It really just means grace gift. Sometimes we use the term and say, they're a real charismatic person. They're a real lively person. They're a person that's energetic. 
but it's really they're a gifted person. They have a grace gift. Can I tell you, all of you this morning are charismatic. Why? Because you have gifts of grace by the Lord. You have gifts of grace that you carry by the Holy Spirit. So we're all charismatic. So if you're afraid of charismatics, look in the mirror, watch out. Verse 5, it says, There are differences of ministries by the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities by the same God who works all in all. I want you to notice one God, but different gifts, different ministries, different activities. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Notice this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. All nine gifts are available to every one of us. All nine gifts here are available to every one of us. Some some might say, I have the gift of, no, you don't have the gift of anything. The Holy Spirit has all the gifts. But you have access to all the gifts as the Spirit wills. So to each one, all nine gifts are available to each one of you. Notice why you have the gifts, though. For the profit of the church, not for the profit of you. Not so that you can say, I'm the man, I have the gift of faith. No, it's for the profit of all, for the profit of the church. Spiritual gifts are for the church. And then he says in verses 8 through 11, listen to this. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Say word of wisdom. Through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge, say word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit, to another faith, say faith. By the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings, say gifts of healings. By the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, say working of miracles, working of miracles. To another prophecy, say prophecy. To another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. He says, but one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Look at that last part. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. You don't have one of these gifts. The Holy Spirit has all of them, and he distributes all of these gifts to each one. They're available to all of us as he wills. How many are glad that he has all the gifts and that they're available to all of us as he wills? In other words, whenever you need one of these nine gifts, as the Spirit wills, if you have the Holy Spirit flowing in you, you have access to all of these gifts as the Spirit wills. Uh, I talked about uh, an orchestra, and I said that they have uh, sections, string section, brass section, woodwind section, percussion section. I'm going to break up these nine gifts into three sections, okay? I'm going to lay out these nine, and we'll talk about how they operate just really quick. Number one is discerning gifts. Discerning gifts reveal something. The first one, they say, it's the word of wisdom. The second one's the word of knowledge. And the third one's the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is a divine answer or solution for a particular event. You, this week or next week, will probably come into a situation where you need some divine wisdom. Can someone say yes? You need some divine... I don't just mean things that you know or things that you Googled or things that you know how to do, but you need something divine. You need divine wisdom. He says here, uh, the word of wisdom. Jesus, uh, for example, Jesus' first miracle, that was a word of wisdom. He turned the water into wine. He said, I want you to go and fill up those pots and uh, you know they filled them all up and they became wine. You say, well, I thought that was just a method. I tried to do it and it didn't turn into wine. It was just still water. Well, because he was operating by the Spirit. The Spirit was operating and it became even a working of miracles, but he knew what to do. Tell them what to do. You see, these gifts cooperate together. He told them what to do and as they did it, there was a working of miracles 
and water became wine. Uh, the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Remember Jesus at the woman in the well where he told that woman he knew something about her that was going on. He read her mail, so to speak. I was talking to somebody, uh, a friend, last week, and they were uh, in Northern California, and they said that they went to this kind of farmer's market or festival at nighttime, and, uh, and their church would go out and set up a booth, and they would, you know, see if anyone needed prayer or anything. Right next, they set up the booth right next to the palm readers booth, okay, the fortune teller palm readers booth here, and so, uh, and, and their booth, the church booth was right next door. So one Friday night, the, the palm reader didn't show up, and so this gal said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the palm reader tonight. <laughs> so she jumped over in the palm readers booth, right, she sat down, someone says, she did, yeah, she sat down in the palm reader's booth, and she just said, oh, all are welcome. Come in, you know. So someone would come in, and they'd say, how much is it? And she'd say, free readings tonight. Free readings tonight. She'd, said, she'd sit them down. She'd open their palm. You know, I think she was holding on to them so she couldn't get. Uh, by the way, don't do this unless the Lord leads you to do this. And she said, she, she grabbed onto the palm, and she'd look, and she'd say, oh, the Lord promises to give you long. Look at the line. She's looking down like she's reading their palm, and she's giving them scriptures. The Lord says that the thief comes not to kill, steal, and to destroy, but he's come to give you life. Really? Have it more abundantly. Really? You know, the thoughts, the plans he has for you, they're for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Is that right? And then he'd say, honey, now why did you come into this booth? Well, because I'm going through this, I'm going through this. Do you go to church? Yeah. She said, 75 to 80% of the people that came into the booth were all church people. They were looking for supernatural. And they couldn't find it in the church. So they went to the palm reader. And she'd sit and she'd pray with them and she'd get them saved. And she said, now don't you ever come back to a palm reader or a fortune teller again. Get out of here. <laughs> By the way, my church is over here. But what was she doing? She said that the Lord would give her even just words of knowledge. She wasn't trying to make something up. She said in the middle of it, they'd, she'd tell them things and they, they'd tear up and they'd start, like, how did you know that? Well, by the Holy Spirit. The Lord used her to do that. Now, again, I say, don't go do that if the Lord doesn't lead you to go do that. But that's a word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is to be made aware of the presence of a spirit. Um, some people would call this discernment. I have the gift of discernment. There's no gift in the Bible called the gift of discernment. You cannot find the gift of discernment in the Bible. Uh, I think some people who say they have the gift of discernment have the gift of criticism. Some, some people do, right? Or some people that have the gift of discernment are really, it's a word of knowledge. They have a, they have, they're flowing in a gift of word of knowledge or word of wisdom. I'm not saying... You know, it's bad. But it's not called biblically. You can't find it biblically. You'd have to go outside of the Bible to come up with that. Uh, the gift of discernment. But discernment is really where I think people will get this from is the discerning of spirits. It means your eyes are open to something in the spirit. Remember Paul when that demon-possessed girl, she had the spirit of divination, was following him around, and she was saying, you're of God, you're of God. And, you know, she was saying the right thing, but it was, it was something not right in the spirit. And he finally looked over at her, and he said, come out of her. What, how did he know that? Because there was a gift of discerning of spirits that he had, and he knew that he could cast out that spirit. Uh, in worship, sometimes people, you know, would say over the years, they'd come up and say, Pastor, I'm not weird or anything, but in the middle of worship, I opened my eyes and I saw angels. 
What is that? It's a discerning of spirits. Your eyes are open to the spirit world, to something that's going on. You don't come up with that. Don't try to see angels. Don't try to see the supernatural. If the Spirit, Holy Spirit, opens up your eyes to those things, then you're, you're, there's a discerning of spirits. Okay? Number two is the declarative gifts. Declarative gifts. The declarative gifts say something. This is the gift of prophecy. This is of tongues and of interpretation, these three gifts. The uh, gift of prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person. You're speaking on behalf of God. Prophecy speaks... According to 1 Corinthians 14, exhortation, edification, and comfort. This spirit of prophecy does not speak correction. It is not to come and correct people. If you're flowing in the gift of prophecy, someone will walk away built up, lifted up, encouraged, more peace in their life. They're not going to walk away with their head down feeling like I just messed up my whole life because I feel judgment on my life. No, the spirit of prophecy here Prophecy is a message of encouragement. Again, according to chapter 14, it's exhortation, edification, and comfort. Never says correction. The spiritual New Testament gift of prophecy is the spirit of the gift of encouragement. And I'll tell you, there's people around this church who flow in the gift of encouragement. I watch them walking around and not just buttering people up or sucking up to people, but they're spiritually walking in and building people up and lifting them up and they walk away better than when they walked in. 1 Corinthians 14, it says, you can all prophesy one by one that they may all learn and all may be encouraged. Notice, encouraged, not corrected. That all may be encouraged. This is different from the office of the prophet. The office of a prophet sometimes will be about foretelling things and they'll go into detail about things in their life and sometimes there will be judgment and things. The office of the prophet is probably not what you're flowing in or the body of Christ is flowing in. That's a five-fold office gift that's separate than these gifts of the Spirit. But the gift of prophecy is one that encourages. Many times it flows through prayer, through conversations with others. Sometimes you'll be in the midst of something and, and someone's telling you about something and you're going to pray for them. And spiritually, you didn't know it in your mind, but spiritually something flows out of your heart to lift them up and encourage them. That's the gift of prophecy. And then different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those two flow together quite a bit. This is where people will get mixed up their spiritual prayer language because they say well the bible says do all speak with tongues it says right here no this gift of tongues and interpretation is for the body of christ not for you see all of these gifts flow through you to the body the spiritual language that you receive it may sound the same but it's for you it's something that builds you up this different kinds of tongues is something that flows through you but it's as the spirit wills you don't choose this tongues and interpretation to happen. This is as the Spirit wills for the body of Christ. So it's a message from God in a different language, unknown to the person from whom the message comes. A manifestation of tongues, not a prayer language. Why don't we hear tongues and interpretation on Sunday mornings very much? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I'm just telling you about us here, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 does give some boundaries to that church, okay? And it says that when you're speaking in tongues to an unbeliever or an uninformed and an uninformed person comes in, they walk in and they hear someone shouting out in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy. So it's better, Paul said, so I would rather speak in a known language to you so that you can be built up and edified rather than a thousand tongues 
He's saying, but on my own, I speak in tongues more than you all. He didn't say tongues is wrong for the church, and he didn't say tongues was wrong for himself. But he said there's a time, there's a way. You don't want it to be something that's for you, and you got all your stuff out because you hadn't maybe been praying that week. So you're going to pray in church in front of everybody. I grew up in the church. I saw some stuff where I felt like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so was ready to stand up and make a show. And sometimes it was the Spirit, and sometimes it was not the Spirit. And so what do we, we have to do? So this is what churches do now. They just shut it all down. And they say, well, there is no flow of the Spirit because we don't know how to control the mess. And then others just say, well, just let it happen. Whatever happens, happens. No, there needs to be order in order for it to flow so that it's a beautiful thing so that everybody walks out encouraged. Can somebody in the church say amen? He says different kinds of tongues. Uh, so every weekend here, we have believers and we have uninformed. We want to see them come to Christ and grow in Christ. So if you're in a meeting with all believers, we'll have meetings sometimes. Uh, in fact, often with believers, there'll be sometimes prayer services and there will be tongues. There will be interpretation. There will be things that go on. But probably on Sunday mornings, for the most part, you don't see uh, shouting out or yelling out in tongues. And I'll tell you something about order in just a minute. Interpretation of tongues is what? It's an understanding and expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. Interpretation, not translation. The difference between interpretation and translation, interpretation is you take the thought that was conveyed in tongues and you translate the thought. That's why sometimes, you know, you might hear a tongue and it's, it's 15 seconds long and the interpretation is three minutes long. And you say, that wasn't really an accurate one because, you know, I used to, when I was a kid, I'd count. I'd be like, one, two, and I'd be, they're, they're inaccurate because the timing was off, you know. No, it was an interpretation. It wasn't a translation, not word for word, but thought for thought. And so, tongues and interpretation. You don't want to just have tongues without having interpretation. Why? Because we want people to be edified. And then number three, dynamic gifts. The dynamic gifts do something. And that's faith, the gifts of healing. Notice they're plural. The gifts of healing and the working of miracles. Faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Like, for instance, I was reading about Smith Wigglesworth. He had a powerful healing ministry back in the day, and uh, he went on to be with the Lord uh, now. But he documented, raised three people from the dead. Not all at once, but, you know, someone had died, and he walked in, and he knew that the Lord, there was a supernatural, not just his own faith, there was a supernatural working. And he walked over, he walked into a hospital room, don't do this today, you get sued, but he walked into a hospital room, he picked the guy up, put him up in the corner, and he said, live! And he dropped him, and the guy fell to the ground. <laughs> picked him back up, he said, live! See, he was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Picked him up a third time, live! And the guy went, <gasps> started breathing, walked away. Happened three different times in his life. There's a, a brother, Leslie Kegel, who was an apostolic elder at the church I came from. He's going to actually come out here and speak. He's raised two people from the dead, documented, been dead, not just for five minutes, ten minutes, days, dead, and they came back to life. How did that happen? Power of the Holy Spirit. You say, come on. I wonder if that's true. That's why it's called a sign and a wonder. That's why it's called supernatural. It's, it's impossible. It cannot happen by human means. So it's something that's supernatural. And how do those things happen? By the Holy Spirit, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, that's supernatural endowments of divine help. See, for health, we can believe for divine health. Someone is going through something, and we can, I can say, they say, can you pray for me? According to uh, Mark chapter 16, it says, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I can pray for you, 
you'll recover as we believe together. In, in fact, in the Bible, Jesus would pray and it says it happened from that very hour. It means they may not have seen it instantaneously. But when you see the gifts of the Spirit flowing, there's an instant miracle that's happening right on the spot. And you say, how did that happen? I want to see that happen. It's by the Spirit. If you're flowing in the Spirit and He's leading you to do that, you'll see some instantaneous results, not normal recovery. And then there's the working of miracles, divine intervention that alters our natural circumstance. Remember Pharaoh or Moses, that he went to Pharaoh, he took his rod, he threw it down, and it confronted the, uh, the magicians, and they threw down their stuff, and his snake swallowed up the snake of the magicians, and he confronted them, and then he took his rod, and he hit it on the, uh, the water, and it all became blood, and he had all those ten signs that happened. That was all the uh, working of miracles that was happening. Remember Elijah? And Elijah with the woman with the oil, and the oil just kept flowing. How did that happen? It's not something that you go, here's what they did, so here's what I'm going to try. No, no, no. It's as the Spirit wills. All of these manifestations are available to you as the Spirit wills. And Elijah with the oil, the feeding of the 5,000, right? You might say, I'm not going to buy lunch anymore. I'm just, you know, for my family, I'm just going to buy a loaf of bread, and I'm going to believe that's going to last well. No, this is by the Spirit. They fed the 5,000 with just a small loaf. So that's the working of miracles. That's the dynamic gifts, the gifts that do something. So how do they operate in the church? I'm going to give you this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. It says this, and I want you to read it out with me. Let all things be done decently and in order. Can we read that again? Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, it says two things. Let them be done. Let all things be done. See, I think sometimes we read, that's right, brother, decently and in order. We're just going to lock it all up. Well, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the Corinthians church, which was just a little out there. And he's saying, you need some decency and an order. So some people will say, that's right, we need a decency and an order. But they shut down the spirit. See, they, he was talking to a church that well, the spirit was flowing. They just needed a little bit of order so that they can keep it things working so he says let all things be done what this is saying is we need to allow the holy spirit to operate in our church today can someone say amen Amen. let all things be done check your motivation when you're operating in the spirit first corinthians 14 12 says i know you're zealous for spiritual gifts but make sure that your zeal is for the building up of the church not for the touting your own gifts Make sure that it's for the building up of the church. So let them be done. Check your motivation, but allow them to happen in the church. Can I tell you, we're a spirit-filled church, and the gifts of the spirit are going to be in operation and flow in this body. Can someone say yes? Okay. He says, but decently and in order. Sunday mornings is one gathering that we have. It's, it's our main gathering, but it's one gathering that we have in the church. It's open to believers. It's open to unbelievers. So... As the gifts of the Spirit flow, if you have a word, if you have something that that you really sense is for the Lord, from the Lord, what I would suggest to you or ask is bring it to the leader who's leading the service. You can bring it to me. You can bring it to Tiffany. You can bring it to Mark. You can bring it to Cliff. You can bring it to one of us. Bring it to a leader and submit it to them. You say, I don't know how to submit it to them. I submit it to the Lord. No, the Lord works through leadership. That's why there's so much... I think chaos and why people have just shut down the gifts of the Spirit. But allow the gifts to flow through the organization and the structure. And I promise you, our heart is not to shut down the Spirit. Our heart is to allow the Holy Spirit to operate in our church. But we do want it to be done decently and in order as the Spirit 
the Holy Spirit commands us to. Leave it to them to discern. What if someone comes and shares? Sometimes someone has come and said, I have a word and I really feel everyone needs to know it and they're so excited about it. But I knew that what was going to be shared a few minutes later was going to be that exact word. So they were right on. But it wasn't the time to share it. So I just said, you're right on. Thank you, brother. And we didn't share the word. Sometimes they got mad and sometimes they didn't get mad. You never get mad when it comes to those things. Why? Because the gifts aren't for you. They're from you. They come from the Holy Spirit through you to other people. So if you have gifts that you want to share in a corporate setting, come and submit it to the leaders, bring it to the leaders, and let's let the leaders share it with everybody else. And I want to pray and thank the Lord for two things. Number one is that we're a spirit-filled church. How many would embrace that we're a spirit-filled church? I'm not talking weird. And I've said this many times, and it's not to put anyone down, but the Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And I'm convinced people would be weird with or without the Holy Spirit. We don't want weirdness. We want, but we do want a genuine flow of the same Spirit that flowed in the book of Acts. Open up your hands to the Lord right now. as a symbol of your heart right now. And say, Jesus, I confess you as the Lord of my life, fresh and new today. Say it with me. I confess you as the Lord of my life. And would you say, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me fresh with power. Say it. Fill me fresh with power. Fill me with boldness. Fill me, Lord, with spiritual language. Fill me, God, with all the gifts of the Spirit. Fill me with everything that you want me to flow in, Lord. God, I don't want to be limited at all from anything that you have in my life. I don't want something that's off, but I don't want, Lord, to limit myself or this church from all that you have, oh God. So let the gifts of the Spirit flow and reign and be done. And we thank you that we're a Spirit-filled church today. And we thank you that we're spirit-filled believers today. And we're not going to be ashamed of that, God. But we're going to be ones, Lord, who ministry goes out of these walls because we allow the Spirit of God to be active on a regular and daily basis. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.